Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phineas Club, a show where we get people from different parts of the world to tell us how things have been going in their corner of this planet. Uh, we usually get people from actually different places, different countries, but today we are following up on the gripping saga that we started all the way back in, when was it, 2019, maybe? Um, and uh, we are having a Brexit saga episode and I think I'm going to keep with the tradition now, or I guess it's three before it can be a tradition. So this is the second episode that's going to have a subtitle. It's not just numbers. You know, when you, you go high enough on sequels, the numbers become more of an impediment because it's like people feel you have to have listened or to have played the previous games or watched the previous movies. So then they put a subtitle. And our subtitle last time was The Carfuffle. It was, it was just before Brexit was actually going to happen, and there were some issues. This time, Brexit has happened, and so I think the title is going to be The Aftermath, which I think is uh, worthy of the epicness of what's happening in the UK. My name is Patrick Beja, and already we're seeing the cracks, the devastating effects of Brexit in that it has devastated our panel and uh, neither Bart nor Alex <laughs> could make it for this episode. So, But it's okay because we're left with the best. We are left with <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> with Bruce. You know, they're not here, so they can't really object to anything. <laughs> That's just true, yes. Uh, yeah. Bruce and Gareth, uh, can you reintroduce yourself for what is the first episode of 2021? Bruce, how's it going? Hi, Patrick, and hi, Gareth. Um, I'm Bruce. I am uh, live in Scotland, and I'm very, very, very uh, anti-Brexit. But, <laughs> but, you know, Brexit's happened, so it's like being anti, I don't know. Anti the sun. Already happened. <laughs> the I don't know. It's sun. like, the, the sun yeah. must go. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes. Gareth, how's, how are you doing? You must be on cloud nine. You're, you got everything you wanted out of life. Gareth, except the mute button. That's that's except, what you the, except the mute button. I didn't get the mute button. Um, yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm Gareth. Oh, wow, and, wow, um, you're again. you're clipping very much still. Uh, we we thought we fixed it, but you're. Ah. Can you can you reduce the gain again, and I'll manage the volume from here. Um, Sorry, yes, I will do that. So. It needs to go further. 
You know what? I'll just before you do that, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, not you, Gareth, but the audience. Uh, we will be talking about. So, what happened today? I woke up at four thirty. Couldn't go back to sleep. Uh, I'm a little bit sick because the little one has some kind of a cold. Not even a flu. It's a little thing, but I have a little bit of sniffles and I feel tired and I have a headache. Um, woke up early. It's been snowing, like, I think it snowed 30 centimeters, which is a lot. It's like, what is it, uh, 15 inches in essentially 24 hours. And it's still snowing. So I went out to clear the uh, stairs and the car, and it took me half an hour just to do that. It, it like, I don't especially like snow and that's why i came to live in finland uh makes complete sense but it was pretty terrible um and also yes brexit happened and uh the president of the u.s is inciting armed insurrection in the capital which we will talk about at some point in 2021 um probably before the end of the month but today we're not talking about that um we're not talking about how i am incredibly tired we're talking about brexit uh, and we're doing so with Bruce and Gareth. Again, Gareth, how's it going? So hopefully my uh, my gains turned down quite a bit now and I'm sounding okay? Or do I need to go up a little bit? Uh, you're <coughs> sounding okay. Gains-wise, it's still a little bit clippy, but the volume I'm raising on this end, so we'll go with it. Um, yeah. Okay. That's fine. Okay, so sorry, I'm, I'm Gareth and I'm the, the resident um, Brexit fanboy, I guess. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I, I am, yeah, should be sitting here in a position where I'm absolutely um, ecstatic with with joy because everything appears to have gone exactly as um, I, in theory, wanted it to, and 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 um, yeah, and all seems to be good and nothing's broken. Um, trade still appears to be going, and uh, we have a deal. It may not be the deal that everybody wanted, but it's definitely a deal. Um, and so, yeah, I think everything's okay with the world, generally. So th this, is, this is something I want to spend a little bit of time on, Gareth, because <laughs> when this started happening two years ago, was it two years ago? It feels like a million, but let's say two years ago, <laughs> roughly. Um, it was impossible. It, like, it was a, a laughable question that was being asked of the uh, in British people. Um, and even after the vote happened and uh, it was decided that you would actually exit the European Union as a country, um, not just you, Gareth, you're taking really? everyone with you. Um, yep. It, it still seemed like, yeah, but it's, it's not really going to happen, is it? And it, 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 now it has. Uh, it must, like, this is lifetime level achievement for well achievement if you wanted it for the british people do you feel any of that i don't want to say pride or but like you feel like you've fought for something and well you voted that's i think you you're not like a, a militant activist so you voted but you were for it and it happened how how does that feel i think it feels from my point of view it feels good and i'm i'm glad that we've managed to do this and that we appear to have managed to do everything in a in an orderly fashion um 
you know, I wouldn't have wanted to be in a position where I felt that the government had a sort of promised something or had offered something that really genuinely was completely impossible. I know we had the, um, you know, you, you said about the talking monkey, which I think is an absolutely fantastic <laughs> way of looking at it. Um, that's, that's stuck with me from that. I think that was the first episode we did. Um, you know, we were offered something. It turns out, okay, it might have been difficult. It might have been tricky, and it might not have might not have been completely achievable. But we've managed to get um, a, a monkey that's able to um, understand. Maybe, maybe it does sign language. <laughs> yeah, uh, sign languaging monkey or something, something yeah. close to a facsimile of a, you know a picture of a talking monkey rather than an actual one. I, I don't know. I have to say, we don't have Bart, our resident uh, Irish, uh, on the show today, which is too bad because the talking monkey part is specifically the issue with Northern Ireland and the Republic, the Republic of Ireland and how it relates to trade and uh, the way it works with the, with the UK and with Europe. And I don't know that that is resolved, but I'm not going to speak too much about it because I have you know, I don't have a expert knowledge on it. I don't know that it completely works, but we'll, I'm sure we'll have other opportunities to talk about it. But you, you seem, I don't know how to, how to put it exactly, but it feels like that's something I've been feeling for the past, ever since the fervor about it has died a little bit for the pro-Brexit camp, or at least that's how I perceived it. You seem like you, you are feeling... Yeah, okay, we, we did it. Awesome, cool, whatever, kind of. And the people who are opposed to it or who didn't want it to happen are devastated. Um, and, and there's a, a very clear to me kind of unbalance between not how much you wanted it and how much they didn't want it, but how much, how happy you are about it, like how important it is for you and how important it is for them if we can even put it in terms of you know us and them which i understand is not very productive but does, does that make sense gareth or is it just yeah, the way you speak it, in a mild british manner that gives me that impression well i think i mean even even amongst british people i think i am generally considered to be fairly um unflappable i think is probably a good term you know i don't tend to panic and uh, i'm not prone to to, to hyperbole but mm. so i think generally i'm fairly matter of fact about this sort of thing and i and i kind of yeah you know it's it happened it's what we voted for they've they've managed to do what as far as i can see appears to be a pretty good deal um or the best deal that we could expect mm. um and this is you know this is not going to be the end of it obviously you know we've said all along this is this is very much the start you know we've hit the the end of the one year transition period um we've had a few problems on the border but i think most of those problems have actually been related to that word that we're probably not going to use because it begins with c and it involves people being ill um it's been more about problems with that than mm. problems on the border because of brexit um you know the, mm. the couple of customers that I deal with that do import and export to Europe. Yeah, they have had things to do, but again, they haven't had problems necessarily. I think the biggest issue has been that, um, yeah, we have suppliers who are marking their goods as manufactured in the EU, and somebody somewhere at government has said, 
it must have the country of origin, not EU. So, you know, of all the problems that I'm seeing with my customers importing and exporting, that seems to be the biggest one, is that we, we're having to try and establish exactly what country a part was manufactured in to be able to import it. And that Gareth, only seems fairly small fry, really. Gareth, what, what, what do your customers... Are there, is there anyone who deals with foodstuffs uh, or, or perishables? No, so interesting. Uh, no, not, not dealing with anything on that. Okay. Yeah, no, we're, we're um, yeah. yeah electronic components, but mainly. Okay. All right. Let, uh, without getting into the specifics of the, you know, the the logistical issues of the of the deal, or I don't know. Yeah, the deal. I was going to be deal. disparaging. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure we can d dive back into that. Uh, Bruce, you're part of the people, yes. as you said who are, uh, uh, is it fair to say, extremely upset by Yeah, yeah, I, I think to say that. I, I, think, you, I think it's fair, fair to say that. It, it, it was... Um, I, I, I suffer from uh, mental health problems as it is, um, and I would say that Brexit has uh, contributed, or the thought and the, the idea of have contributed to it quite significantly over the past four and a half years. And, you know, to the point where I, I may have... Uh, been unreasonable at certain points and and things like that um and i so would wait, say wait that, a second has uh, it been three and a half years already four and a half well years? since the brexit what well, was mm. 2016 that Jeez. We, uh, oh right you're right of course it was the year of, of donald trump got elected to the u.s so it was yeah we yeah. um right. we, we voted for brexit and america said mm. we can do one better um <laughs> so <laughs> let, let me expand on i i don't want to pry um no no go ahead but since you brought it up, um, obviously this is a personal problem. But how does mm. Brexit, you know? Um, okay, uh, if we're going to go, if we're going to personal, what, what, what I'll, um, I grew up in a country that was secluded and had sanctions, um, so we were excluded, and there was great pride in um, being Rhodesian and being separate from you know the rest of the world and. Everything Zimbabwean was always a uh, thing, and and it, and it created uh, just a very to, to clarify for people who might not know, you grew up in Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I grew up in Zimbabwe, and, and um, it created uh, a society that was very insular. And while there was all this pride and patriotism, um, I'm seeing now, especially in my my peers, that there's a lot of misplaced. Um, misplaced pride there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh kind of arrogance that's not um that i'm not comfortable with and i don't think is is right and and it's also resulted in the country then uh turning in on itself and we could blame mugabe and we could blame all sorts of things but you know robert mugabe is when he came into power he was very much like uh like boris johnson he was he was a populist popular leader and he'd led a you know, a, a proper war for liberation, <laughs> not not some fake one that that that's happened in in the UK here. Um, so there are parallels there that sort of saying, well, you know, we, we're asking for for things, but do we really want them? And that's what I've always said. It's I hate to quote JL and Brack, but you know, <laughs> you think you want it, um, but you don't. Um, mm. So so that that's been my stance, and whether it's correct or not is another question. But that, that that's how I've always felt. So I mean, famously, it, famously, uh, Brack 
recanted because he realized that he was yeah. wrong about that specific <laughs> statement. So I don't know if that's well, the one you want to use. Well, I, I still think classic's a mistake, but that's a different discussion altogether. Uh, okay, I, I would <laughs> fight you on that. And I was on the, you think you want it, but you don't camp. But yeah, I don't think we can equate World of Warcraft classic with. I think it. I think it's. I think it split the player base. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I think. I think there's. Um, there's a lot of. Uh, yes, and and he did recant it, and that and that that that's not lost on me. So I think there are parts of Brexit that I think you know that that as we've been looking at it, that could have been uh, beneficial, and there's still ways that it can be. And that's where we have to look now. And I could sit here and, and you know, I'm I'm one for Schadenfreude. I, I sit here and and talk about the lorry drivers who um, had their ham sandwiches uh, uh, taken away from them at the border in in um, Holland. Holland, yeah, yeah, which Wait, which is quite funny. What is that? Yeah, um, lorry drivers driving into uh, Holland. They were doing the usual um, deliveries. Uh, they were stopped by the Dutch uh, customs officers, and the customs officers said, "You can't bring any um, meat or foodstuffs, uh, yeah, meat and dairy into the into the EU. So you're going to have to hand over your sandwiches. That you you know, um, so they had to hand over their sandwiches, and they asked, you know, can we keep our bread at least? And and the customs <laughs> officer said, no." Sorry, welcome to Brexit. That was his exact <laughs> words. So, you know, it, it's a pe petty things like that, which mm. I think we, we all realize are petty. Um, to things like uh, that, there is. Can I? Can I? Hmm? For, for yep. just a second, um, I will say obviously this is incredibly petty. It's also mm -hmm. kind of like the letter, yes. the letter of the law, but it does reflect a little bit of the feeling. Um, that I think is common inside the EU, which is obviously it's not the lorry driver's fault, no, no, unless no, those not. specific ones voted for Brexit. But it's like, you wanted to leave. Like, this is your doing. Yep. You abandoned us. You abandoned us. So we don't have to make it e any easier for you. And this is... The petty, like, obviously, we're going to work with the UK and it's going to, we're going to make it as good as possible now, now that this is the situation. But there is this res residual feeling of you, you left, you know, you, you yeah. wanted a divorce. So we're not going to, it's not for us to make it easy for you. Um, kind I of think feeling. that's always going to be the, the case with any sort of separation, though, isn't it? And, and I think I, as, the, as the party that's leaving, you have to accept that there will be this as a consequence. There will be an amount of animosity. Yeah. There will be an amount of, well, no, 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 no. You know, you went, so now you've got to put up with it. Sorry, I might be making it be being slightly flippant, but... No, no, no. Um, you know, that's... We, we as the British people or as, as the UK or, or, or the UK government have to expect an amount of that. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully over time that levels out and, and becomes less of a sticking point or less of an issue, um, mm -hmm. you know, over time, hopefully. I, I, I agree. I agree there. And I think there's a, there's an issue here when it comes to the rhetoric of the British government is, is a lot of the times now, uh, Michael Gove came out and said the, the, the British people, uh, I wish I was 21 again, so I could go out there and, and, uh, you know, rule, 
I said something about conquer and and all that. And I think that that's very dangerous post Brexit now because um, Brit- Britain can survive on trade and on um, there's a there's a there's a big uh, need within uh, India, um, Africa, different parts of Africa, obviously and um other other parts of the world you know we're talking canada usa uh, australia where exchange of knowledge so the uk has great universities and um job opportunities for people um in those in those countries and i think they they will see this as if britain wants to be a true cosmopolitan country then what they've got to do is is ironically open up the borders to the world say look come you can come study in the country you can come work here and we'll take um trade the goods that you have so uh, it's no longer a case of we're going to go there and conquer uh, yeah. india what we're going to do is we're going to conquer the world through trade a lot like I hate to say it a lot like china have done um they you know they they're very much taking over africa through trade at least they were in zimbabwe a few years ago from what i remember so there's an irony in that in closing our borders to europe the way, one way to survive is opening our borders to the rest of the world well that's and, necessary like you can yeah uh, and and I know Gareth, as someone who voted for Brexit and someone who is um, uh, you know more enlightened than than I think a lot of us uh, Remainers would think a lot of Brexit voters would be will understand that and will you'll probably agree with it. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. But I do wonder if this is something that was lost on a lot of the people who did vote for Brexit um, and understanding that being a sovereign nation. Which we were already, by the way, before Brexit. There was no, there was no loss of sovereignty. Um, has will rely on us having to make concessions to other countries that we haven't had to before. That's um, that. That's part of the way we look at it. Something hmm. my wife has been saying is, it's going to be really interesting to see what yeah. happens when the British go and negotiate a trade deal with India. It's like, yeah. <laughs> hey, so we would like, like, uh, and I, I, I wonder what Gareth would say to this, but it's like, when you look at it, what does the UK alone have to offer India? And without even taking into consideration the, the history between the two countries, it's what, exactly are you going to put in the balance in the trade deal i don't you know it anyway i I mean it's not like there's nothing but there's definitely an imbalance there and that's something that keeps coming back when you think of any country of importance how is are those trade deals going to work which is part of the reason why we think the eu is a good thing it's because you put in common all of the you know the entire population and manufacturing ca- capabilities and cultural uh, uh, productions etc cetera, etc cetera. but i don't know i mean i guess but my my logic there would be that the, you know india has a, a relatively large manufacturing base i mean you know i'm this is not my area of expertise but as far sure, as I, it, I, it isn't mine either, either to be fair um, um yeah, you know, in India India manufactures quite a lot of stuff. Um, we buy quite a lot of stuff, so we would be looking to buy things from India. 
uh, are you talking about what the UK would have to offer India back? Yeah, and the market is well, sure. part of mm-hmm. that, but the market in the UK alone, I don't think is very large. You know, it, it, India doesn't have to it, it trade negotiations. And again, this isn't my area of expertise either, but it's like, okay, we're going to negotiate a deal. The beginning is like 50-50 in the power balance. And then we see what each of us, how much we can press on that balance to tip the scales in our favor and how much the rates are going to be and et cetera, et cetera. If the trade deal doesn't happen with the UK for India, it's like, yeah, we'll lose a little bit of you know uh, uh, income from what you would have bought, but will survive. Whereas if it's the entire EU negotiating, India does want to sell stuff to the EU if they're manufacturing stuff, which is not necessarily the case currently, not that much. But I don't know. It's just like it's it's dumb. I'm not even being very clever when I say this. It's just, oh, I wonder how it's going to go. Um, yeah, but I also, I think that, you know, India, I presume, uh, have a trade deal with Australia. Um, I don't know what the I don't know what the the population of Australia is compared to the UK. I'm assuming it's larger, oh, it's, it's definitely it's... smaller. It's like thirty million <laughs> Australia. Let's check. But yeah, no, of course they have a, a trade deal. Uh, I'm sure. Although I wonder if Australia isn't part of some uh, <laughs> bigger organization. Australian listeners, yeah. apologies. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was just you know, a, a side thing. Let's get back to, to, to uh, Bruce and the, you know, the, the effect on your... Oh, it's 25 million. Wow, just I said 30 out of my behind and it's not so far off. Well then. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Uh, and yet, Bruce. I, I think, yeah, you know, there, there are lots of things around trade deals that I think are far, with, far out outside of what any of us here understand so i, I think you know uh, i'm i'm more i'm more hopeful on that um i am a bit worried about some of the some of the stuff that's coming out in the press about uh the trade the fishing um sector and I, and I know we've spoken about this but it was a big thing that was being discussed uh prior to the the deal being made apparently it was one of the sticking points and mm-hmm. um i know a lot of the uh fish that have been now been caught in british waters uh the eu <clears throat> are, are now not accepting it so it's being left to rot because it's um the, the right documents haven't been filled in uh and uh, the necessary uh trade arrangements for, for for that type of food stuff haven't been fulfilled by the UK fishermen. Now, I don't necessarily think this is the politician's fault, uh, ultimately. Um, it's one of those things, and, and this is becoming a, a very regular thing that I'm saying here, is we've had 11 months of transition. And there are a lot of people who haven't seemed to have uh, fully grasped the idea of what's going to need to happen after, after um, you know, once the... once post-Brexit. This is a this is a soft, you know, this is essentially a soft deal. We are still abiding by EU rules and regulations. I don't know if many people realize that, yes, we've got a deal, but actually, uh, if we vary too much from them, uh, we're going to have to renegotiate everything. So, yes, okay, we, do, we have our sovereignty with it. Um, but what hasn't happened is that, the, the, like the fishing... Um, community a lot of them have not 
read up on what they need to do. They don't know the documents, so a lot of fish have been lost. Um, uh, and particularly, I've heard, and you're going to laugh, Patrick, we talk about uh, nana, nana, nana. Um, but French officials have um, turned away whole consignments because the Latin names of the fish are spelled incorrectly <laughs> in the documents. And, you know, I think I think that's this is where pettiness has uh I would say that is petty as much as I am very much a for, for, for to remain or for re rejoining. I think that's a bit much. Um, but th th there's a situation now where we have these things happening where you sort of say, well, you've had a year to sort yeah. yourselves out. And this goes for uh, expats in Spain, um, British well, people who live in Spain who now realizing oh we can only live here nine months nine ninety days of the year uh they didn't sure. realize that before oh did they not i no, I no, mean, no. They have they're to all ask... finding out now okay that's that's a bit weird um i i would say they need to get a visa if they want to stay longer and that's yep, not impossible exactly. to do but um i'm gonna precede gareth here and i'm guessing that what he's gonna say is well that's to be expected in the first few months of the thing when there's a big change like this the fishermen are not going to fill the right papers but it will get yeah. sorted out right that's not like yeah. what i'm what i'm hearing bruce and yes is i don't want to say nitpicky but it's small yeah. things and keep yeah. in mind i'm very much i would not have wanted the uk to leave like that is Absolutely not by preference. I resent all of you a little bit for leaving us, as I was saying before. But okay. at we the same time... <laughs> you what, Garrett? We still love you. Ah, oh, that's the right answer. Thank you. Just, um, just you in particular. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm selfish. I don't mind. Um, but the, the, the impression was... You know, as often is in these cases, it's going to be the end of the world when you were yeah. listening to people from. And, and it's no. obviously it was an exaggeration, but you're saying that some fish rotted or rot somewhere yeah. in a fishing port like yeah. and, and some some rich retirees can't spend all their time in in Spain without asking for without asking for a visa. Yeah. It's not very world end of worldy. Like it's not. No. It's not armed militia entering the capital. If you see what I mean, like it's not even I, that level of. No, but what you see, what I'm seeing is that the, although these issues are relatively small, there's a cumulative effect, uh, and yeah. the media, the media is sort of jumping on some of these things and blowing them up. And and mm. oh, the government didn't give the fishermen the paperwork they needed. Yeah. Mm. So bad uh, government, but actually uh, the fishermen didn't go and find the paperwork that they needed. They didn't bother checking. They didn't, you know, that there are lots of other reasons that that these fish are now sitting there rotting away. Mm -hmm. I think I think there's a there's a there's a well, okay. First of all, let me say um, when I I got the uh, the call to this uh, podcast, um, I thought right. Okay, I'm gonna look everything up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out all the bad stuff that's happened, and I'm gonna lay it on. And Gareth's gonna be <laughs> completely. And you know what? All I found were these things, and I'm thinking, okay, well. Mm -hmm. So, 
I agree with you. I think I think I think you know there's a situation, and we're also and we can't we can't hide from the elephant in the room. Uh, <clears throat> COVID has had a big big impact on everything, and uh, Gareth alluded to earlier. We don't necessarily know right now if the negative uh, consequences that are happening are directly Brexit related. And I don't think we'll know for a long time. Mm. The catastrophe that many, uh, I may have been in that group, I, I don't I don't remember, I, you know, who, who many um, prophesized hasn't happened, and that's great. And I have to give the government, the UK government, some credit in getting something through. I was convinced we were going to have a no deal the whole of last year, mm. and that would have been bad. Um, but we've got something through and there are still things to work out. The Northern Ireland and Ireland thing, I'm still a bit confused about and I would have liked Bart's um, yeah. view on that. But but I think as far as scenarios go, we're not actually in the worst case. At least we don't have um, people storming Westminster. <laughs> Oops. Um, so <laughs> um, I think... Uh, so, it, it it feels a little bit like the real tragedy is almost more of a philosophical one. It's like um, we don't like. There, there's something that hit me really hard because one of the most enriching things that I've had in my life was traveling, uh, and especially as a as a young person going to different countries and and seeing different cultures and different people, which in many ways led to this show I'm doing now. And the uh, Erasmus program now doesn't include the yeah. UK anymore. Uh, for those who don't know, the Erasmus program is a school ex exchange program that had children from all over Europe travel uh, and spend a year in a different country. And it was especially heartening because you would have young, uh, you know, French kids spending a year in a friendly German family 50 years after their grandfathers or even fathers tried to kill each other. And that was, you know, something that is very, very precious. It's all, all It all has to do with the fragility of peace and democracy that I think we've had for so many, so long, peace and democracy, that we forget how fragile they are. But it's kind of those high-level, uh, I don't know, like, not regrets, because it's... But Do you see what I mean? Like, does it make sense? It feels yeah. like it's more that yeah. that is tragic. The the Erasmus program is something that, that, um, that I remember I was reading about. And what has been said is that they're going to replace it with something that's more inclusive of uh, the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, if that happens, great. I'm all for it. Um, uh, I'm all for, uh, especially people in the UK, uh, discovering new cultures and people from different areas who've had different experiences, because I think there's a lot to be ga gained from that. Mm. So as, like I was saying earlier, that the if, if somehow the UK can maneuver itself and be trusted again, because that's a big one, we lost a lot of trust through the whole Brexit process, um, then then I think there's hope. That's not what I was expecting to be the, uh, know, I'm the being away. I'm being as positive as I can be, but mm -hmm. I'm not confident the UK government is able to do it, uh, at least in its current form. Mm -hmm. And I think, like America, we need to have a long, hard look at ourselves and our democratic process and say, right, let's, let's sort our house out now. 
I mean, yeah, and I think that needs to be the focus. Why democratic processes? It was entirely democratic. How was it? Uh, Except for the lies of the people who were campaigning, but that's not, you I know, think, that's. I think that the referendum aside, I think the 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 mistake was made um, years ago when the Tory government got in place, and um, when UKIP became became a threat. Oh, I don't want to go too much into it, but basically the, the Tory party, the the vote was set up as a uh, reaction to UKIP and as a way of not losing voters to UKIP. Mm-hmm. So that's the UK Independence Party, which Nigel Farage was at the head at. Now they had members in the U, uh, European Parliament because the way the votes, voting system works there is different to how the first-past-the-post system works. Mm. I I firmly believe that if we had a proportional representational system, we would have had more UKIP members within our own government, and there would have been more of a debate mm-hmm. and understanding of the situation as opposed to the Brexit vote we got, which was plagued with all sorts of issues. Um, so I think I think the first past the post system that we have at the moment is it needs to go. What we need to yeah. happen is is for us to get a proportional representation for people to have a government they actually voted for as opposed to uh, a government that just happened to be there because of the way the borders are are, um, are aligned yeah. i think I think proportionality is incredibly important, and it sounds a little bit counterintuitive when you feel, to people who don't really you know hear of it the first time but you're right it's but it's it's maybe yeah. a different I, I, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with with any of what you've just said um mm-hmm. i don't necessarily fully agree but i i don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that the way that we do um elect our officials currently works um you know i i have a big problem with with parties generally and and okay people voting on party lines rather than on what they believe or yeah. their constituents believe uh, is the best thing mm. um i, I yeah. agree with you there that that's that's another issue we desperately need to look at mm. um all right so i would like to um shift to the the second part which we're probably not going to spend as much time on but i'm wondering long term um both of you let's start with gareth let's say 10 years out what do you not what do you want to happen or maybe those are two interesting questions let's let's do it like that what do you what would you want realistically to happen and like it's not pie in the sky thing like if everything was perfect and also what do you think will actually happen to and in the UK following Brexit gareth so i i kind of hope that things like the the erasmus um stuff I, I hope that we do not end up in a situation where we do not accept um, students from outside of the UK to come and study in the UK because mm. that would be that would be bad. That would be terrible. And I don't think that for me personally, that's not certainly not one of the things that I want as an outcome from from Brexit. So I hope that that continues and that actually. Um, as we mentioned earlier, that we end up accepting students from more countries, so not just Europe. Let's, you know, why not accept students from anywhere on the planet? Anywhere it, outside it of the seems, planet. It seems it know. seems that would be a a you know an easy thing to accomplish. It doesn't seem like the most challenging one. No, um, and 
you know, and that we end up with good, um, good, you know, in inverted commas, because good's a very subjective term, but good trade deals with any country that we need to have a good trade deal with. Um, you know, there, there should be nothing that stops any country on the planet from uh, dealing with the UK and similarly from the UK dealing with any other country. And I, I don't think that's, whilst it's complicated, I don't think that's unachievable either. Um, the, how how is it different like more specifically i would like to know how being outside of the U eu is going to improve the situation in the uk in your in your opinion because that's not you know you're you're talking about recreating things that were in place as a part of the eu so yeah what's yeah, what's the, well, the, the difference i guess from that point is that the UK is getting to make those agreements with those individual parties rather than um, those decisions being made for the UK by the EU. Um, and those decisions are going to be better made, you mean? In, in How is that an advantage? That, well, they will be made in the interests of the British people rather than in the interests of Europe as a whole. Can, can you give I me push an example? back a bit on that? Can it, okay. just, yeah, just, just a second. I'll get back to you, Bruce, Bruce in a mm -hmm. second. Can you give me a, a specific example of how uh, that would improve? And I'm sure you have many, but... So I, 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 I don't know that I do, honestly. <laughs> oh, really? That's concerning, um, Gareth, because it, it would, that would be something that you need to have a clear vision on if you're going to exit the EU. If you don't know specifically how that would be improved, it becomes... Oh, but I've heard that, you know, things aren't great for the UK. I think one of the things that I said very early on was that my part of my problem, and, and please excuse the, the, the use of the word problem, but part of my problem with Europe was the multiple levels of uh, bureaucracy. So local government in the... Uh, you know, in counties in the in the UK, and then national government, and then going up to Europe, and I sort of, I would actually feel happier if we, no, not happier, I would be almost as happy if we said, you know what, we're just going to do away with the UK government. Let's just have, let's just have a Europe government. We'll do away with some of these units in between. Um, so you felt that the the layers of administrative whatever were impeding the the establishing of rules and laws in the interest of the specific people yes absolutely and, and i very much feel that that's that's the case within the uk as well so as i you know said just a few minutes ago i, I you know we have this issue where my local member of parliament doesn't actually live anywhere near the constituency that he represents He doesn't actually have any idea what's going on on the ground within his constituency. Mm. And he doesn't really know what the people within his constituency want. But he's a member of the Conservative Party, and therefore he votes with the Conservative Party. And, and do, you I feel, that, do you feel that's bettered by the UK not being part of the EU? Um, that specific disconnect, no. But, but it, it draws everything sort of one level in. So um mm. that's a very a very sort of um localized issue but it it, it became bigger and bigger the, the bigger the organizational unit got so you start looking at um people making decisions in europe they are so much further removed from mm. 
Okay. Uh, you know, a person that lives in stone in Staffordshire in the UK. <laughs> yeah. I think that's yeah. that's a fair sentiment and that's a sentiment that is shared by everyone everywhere. My reaction would be but you get other advantages that outweigh these issues but I can understand what. Yeah. Okay. I I, I think I think government needs to follow a, an economy of scale. So uh I, I don't think a one world government I used to. I used to think one world government would solve it all. Um The, the situation you have there is that you would ultimately have one uh, one one person calling all the shots, and I don't think that's a good thing. I think I think America was on the way to figuring out a good system with with its federal system. Um, it just didn't go far enough, uh, and I think the EU was the closest we've got to it in that the. The way the EU was set up was more of a necessary bureaucratic system. What they did was they took all the bureaucracies within the laws and the regulations and they brought it into one place and said, right, let's just make it all one thing so we don't have to redo this every single time. We, You know, if a truck goes from France all the way to Czechoslovakia, it doesn't need to go through uh, 400 different checks. That's one part of the, of the EU. And another thing that... Um, I think I think I need to push back on is the idea that the that the EU was a was a bureaucratic thing. There is a okay. I don't think that you should be saying you can't you know replace the the windows in the local church hall. I think that's a local issue that needs to be sorted out by local people. But there's also a need for them to say, well, actually. You can't build it out of asbestos because <laughs> it's dangerous, you know. And that's where a more a more unified system, and then laws and regulations, it's complicated. Um, I'm trying to remember what I said. I would come back on earlier uh, with you, what you, Gareth was you saying. You were you were talking about the uh, Gareth was talking about the administration issues. Um, And, and the yeah. That, uh, yeah. Oh. Oh. And uh, oh. Sorry. When it comes. When it comes back. When it comes to the the British, the EU making laws and regulations that weren't British, and and this is something I've said, and 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 I don't really want to go into it because it sounds like I'm uh, I'm I'm being petty with the thing. But what um, I don't have the exact statistics to hand, but Britain only ever voted against any of the regulations brought up by the EU are something like less than 1% of the time. Um, if it, And Britain did have a veto. It could exercise a veto and said no. They were in a situation, a position of power to say, actually, uh -uh, we don't want that. And the, all of the other 27 countries would have to, would have to go suck it. There was, a, there was, Britain was in a position of power in that way. And I keep going back to when we talk about immigration, this is a big one. Um, immigration, oh, it's a big problem, big problem. Actually, within the EU legislation, there was the ability for the British government, if it had the balls, to put into place um, regulations that would have curbed uh, immigration from the EU to an extent that would have appeased the the hard right. Um, so, you know, the... the There were opportunities there that the UK government did not take, and 
I guess going back to what I don't I don't know if Gareth's finished now, but if we're going on to what we're hoping for or what we're looking for in the future, I don't think what what we're hoping for, what we what's going to happen, are going to be the same thing, um, in any way. Uh, so what are you? Um, what are you? What am I hoping, hoping for? And what do you think is going to happen? Well, we can all hold hands and sing. No, Very I'm saying people. realistic. I mean, <laughs> um, on this show, we would do that, obviously. But <laughs> um, I think realistically, if if the UK can can actually no, you know what I'm hoping for is that um, Scotland uh, has another vote for independence, and um, it gets it. And I mean, in in an ideal world, I would love Scotland to become part of Scandinavia. And mm-hmm. part of the EU in that way, We've and there's already for yeah, yeah. There's already incidentally there was talk. I don't know how serious it was of Scotland uh, adopting the Krona, which would be very interesting <laughs> indeed. Um, so you know that there, there, there are things around that now. No, but this is I, not. I, this I, is definitely not pie in the sky. It's been talked it's about not a pie few in the times. Sky. You do you think it? You're hoping it will happen. Do you think it will? I think it's not within the not not outside the realms of possibility. It's like the idea of a united Ireland is is being spoken about now. Um, and and this again, like I said, I'd, I would have wanted to hear what Bart had to say mm-hmm. here because I hear the DUP are very unhappy with what's happened with the whole. The DUP are the uh, hard right um, Northern Irish party who uh, propped up the the UK government back in 2016 and 17 and they got promptly stabbed in the back. Um, what's going to happen? I don't know, Patrick. Um, mm. And, and, and I, I have to say that now, ever since the 2019 vote when, when the Tories got in uh, with, with a landslide pretty much, I, I don't know. Um, COVID is throwing a huge, huge wrench um, into the... Thing. And in the UK here at the moment, I don't know how much you know, but it's running rampant. Um, I'm very lucky, and where I live is 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 actually the, I suppose, in inverted commas, safest place to be because our COVID rates are um, mm. are the lowest in the whole of the UK. In fact, I'm going into a meeting after this uh, around you know the what we're putting in place and how we're supporting it, but. I don't know. Um, is America going to blow up? You know, I, I hope not. I hope they get somebody sensible in. But I don't necessarily think Biden's going to be the the panacea there. Uh, I don't yeah. think he's going to unite the people, uh, and that's what we need. We need leaders who can unite and not be divisive. And mm-hmm. That's going to be the difficult thing. I, mean, I, I think the, the the unification of Ireland would be a fairly obvious consequence of yeah of brexit uh, whether it's the right thing for the northern irish people or for the irish people i don't know um but it, it would it would be an obvious um knock-on effect i think um I think but gareth like if that happens let's say five years from now ireland northern ireland has left the uk scotland has left the uk wouldn't you look at it and be like don't you wouldn't you think the UK has been diminished by Brexit? Would you be okay with just like having half of the I don't know how it's called like states or nations that were in the it would be just you and and poor old poor old uh, uh, Wales. Yeah, I think 
I, I don't know how I would feel, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think it would depend how that would impact my ability to go visit those places. Oh, you you could always visit. That's not. Yeah, but no. the, the Brexit is not about visiting. Brexit, uh, I, unless I misunderstand, it's about the if we push the levers on description a little bit, the grandeur of the country, right? Isn't that like because you can't decide for yourself and you're diminished by the impositions that aren't appropriate that the EU is doing on you, and you're not great again essentially like you're you're there was a time when the uk could soar and with these trade deals that we're going to negotiate ourselves it's going to be just like you know when we were amazing i think that's possibly political speak that's trying yeah. to get the the hard right on board uh, you know i'm very much not of the close the borders, stop anyone coming in. Oh, stop, I don't think that's... You know, um, mm. let's, let's, let's amass the army and go, you know, go take back the, the colonies. That, that's, that's absolutely not sort of where I'm, where I'm coming from. And whether I mean that in a physically, let's go back and take the colonies, <laughs> or in a trade deal, let's go and retake the colonies. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but... I also I sort of feel that actually if Scotland decided that Scotland wanted to be apart from the UK, it would be incredibly hypocritical of anybody within the UK who voted for Brexit to of say course. no 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 no. No, of can't. course, of course, but that's still I don't know. You know, so one issue I have now is that I I'm not sure I understand what Brexit is how Brexit is improving stuff like there's this vague uh, idea that decisions you know the the what you mentioned gareth the less uh layers of administration which that i completely understand the 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 idea of it but this is very vague and i don't see what's you know in in the us at least which obviously the situation in the us has been i think in the past few days worse but like they want specific things like they want no more immigration they want manufacturing to come back to the u.s they want uh you know those th stopping interventionism in outside of uh the country they don't want to be the cop of the world anymore i don't think they're right i think they're misguided in many of those things but at least i understand how they think that drastic policy change would improve their, maybe not daily lives, but standing in the world. In the case of, and, and you know, situation of the country. In the case of Brexit, I do not understand how anything is improved by the UK being outside of the EU. Like, practically, outside of the, considera the administrative consideration. And, and I, well, I think for me, that, that is... That is the main part. It, it's giving mm. the UK the ability to make its own decisions and to not have to do that through a, a third party that is then so much more removed from the people that are actually on the ground. Mm. And uh, hopefully yeah, that improves the decisions that are made that fit the actual issues that you're facing better. Yes, absolutely. You know, that, the benefit okay. for me is that the decisions will be made more locally and therefore those decisions... Uh, sorry, get my words out. And therefore those decisions should be 
more in line with what people want. Um, but at the same so, time, I acknowledge that that's not necessarily the case right now. <laughs> I, no. I want to ask uh, one last question to, to Gareth, and then we'll go to you, Bruce, uh, mm -hmm. and then we'll, we'll close off the show. But can you then, Gareth, give me an example of how decisions that were made within the EU, like, overseeing body were detrimental to, to you or even beyond that? I can't give you any specific examples. Okay. Let, give, me, give, me, give me a minute. Talk, talk, to, talk to Bruce. Let me just have a think about okay. that. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think, I think there's, a, there's an element of, uh, I think it being a bit, um, I, I guess, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to say this, necessarily. I think at the point now, it doesn't matter. Um, and it might not be fair to be asking Gareth those questions right now because it's not it's not where we need to be. Where we need to be is saying, right, this is where we are. I don't personally think our lives are going to be better because of leaving the EU. Now, our lives could get better, but I don't think it's going to be because of you leaving it. I think it's going to be in spite of it. Mm. I think there was a lot, there's a lot of... There was a lot of rhetoric within the election itself um, around just what the EU controlled and what it didn't control. I think there could have been better communication around what, what it does. For me, looking at the EU and understanding it, it was basically a central place to say, let's just get our regulations right. Let's just get our basic laws in place. Uh, the, the 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 British government's already turned around and said, mm, well, maybe those labour laws we had, you know, that that the EU in, instructed on us, uh, you know, may, maybe we'll turn those around. I I hope they don't, but there's already talk within it. Um, you know, on the, it's it's being covered up now by the US um, elections. In fact, it was on Wednesday the sixth when when the US um, sedition seditious situation began that that the tory member said that and to me that's very much from my youth mm. um the the mugabe government would always announce something that would be unpopular just as something within the world would take its uh away the um away the heat so in years time you could say but you never told us no no we did we did we did tell you we told you that's, on this day and you didn't political, political uh, for years, though, yeah it? yeah so uh, and i think you know i it worries me if the if if the tory government and this is a point and i think this is what i was going to say earlier is i agree with gareth very much we need a government and we need a situation where the people's voices are being heard and I don't think a majority Tory government is what the people want. Um, it's what we voted for. It doesn't necessarily mean it's what we want because the policies and the way they... You might have a very good Tory minister uh, uh, within your section, within your, your council area, and you vote him in. And just as Gareth has said, whether you be in the EU or not in the EU, you're going to, he's going to vote along Tory lines. He's yeah. not going to vote. Uh, he's not going to come back and say, well, what do we want on this situation? Find out what the population wants and then go back and fight for them. He's going to vote along popular Tory lines because there's a whip. Uh, there's a system in place. There's a hierarchy. And if you're just a lowly backbencher, if you don't vote the way that the party votes, you're going to be out on your ear. So there are problems there. There are problems there. And it's not necessarily the EU's fault, 
for those problems. Um, and it might actually be better in the long run for the UK to sort them out themselves and then come back uh, and try and get a, a more equitable uh, place in the world uh, and not have this idea that... And this is the other thing with Gareth. I don't think you're pre- representing Gareth very well here and in that he's not he's not the Brexit voter who was touting and standing up and saying, you know, we want to make our country great again. Um, Gareth just, and Gareth, I'm putting words in your mouth, but but what I'm hearing is somebody who just wants to be able to have control politically of your life and the things that matter to you. And, and I'm the same. Uh, we just believe in different systems. So it would be interesting to have a hard-line, far-right Brexit voter. <laughs> You on know, this podcast, <laughs> I, um, <I'm> swearing. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't. Maybe yes. Um, I the the reason I'm I'm grilling Gareth the way I am, yeah. which I hope is still you know kind enough, is that Brexit has now happened after four years of whatever the last four years were. And even though I've talked about it with many people and read about it to some extent, I still don't understand what it was for. And that's an issue. I think it's a fair, and and I'm not in the UK, but I think that's a fair thing to wonder about. And, you know, what I would say, it sort of sort of attempting to answer the, you know, the previous question. I think that when I made the decision on how I was going to vote, I had a clear reason in my head for doing that. Okay. But I also think that I've slept several times since then, and <laughs> I struggle to remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. Let alone, um, <laughs> you know, the the, the decision making process from a from a, a vote, yeah, you know, three and a half four years ago. Right. Um, but what I would say is that the decision that I made at the time was based on the information that that I had available to me and I felt it was the right decision at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there have been things since that actually had I had I been asked to vote um since then I might actually have voted the other way. Mm. And I think one of the most enlightening things that I got from you actually Gareth uh, a couple of years ago was I had this image of this very strong pro or con, pro or against Brexit with like a a very, I don't know, fiery reasoning behind it. And what you said was like, listen, I was just asked a question and I voted as I was asked to do. That's what happened. It's not like, you know, and, and I think that might describe a lot of people um, in a way that many people who are outside of it wouldn't expect. I don't know, but yeah, I think that that, that's a, that's a reasonable, uh, reasonable assessment. I think of, uh, <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's my doorbell going, even though there's a note on my door that says delivery drivers, please. Maybe it's important. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> conclude the show. Um, maybe you want to go answer it, uh, but we'll, we'll conclude the show with Bruce. And um, uh, I think, I think it's worth noting that uh, 
the the most heartbreaking thing to me is yes brexit's a bad thing but one the, is that we never had a second vote we never had a confirmatory legally binding vote the vote that happened in 2016 was advisory it only ever was advisory um and it wasn't legally binding in any way and it has been used for political purposes um to push through this agenda and uh, it's sad it's sad because British people have lost a lot of trust uh, throughout the world and it needs to be built back now. And that's that's the challenge. And I think we need to look forward um, and not have blame and recriminations. And you, I think you told me this about a year ago, you know, we, we need to move together and not, um, it's done, it's done, it's gone, it's in the past. And uh, uh, yeah, so... We can't blame, and I can't be asking those questions. I've been you, what you're asking now, Patrick, was exactly what I've been asking for four and a half years, and I never had an answer. I never had an answer uh, that satisfied me, and that's why I'm still firmly in the Remain camp. But um, there we go. Okay. Uh, yes, final. Yeah, that's me. Okay. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe in ten years. In ten years' time, we should we should revisit the situation. You know, we should we should put it up for a vote again. Do we think that we should rejoin? I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, Gareth. I don't know what's going to happen in ten years' time, but you will get a significantly worse deal than you already had yeah. <laughs> if you if you ask to rejoin in ten years. Um, I don't think any British government's ever going to ask for a referendum ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Nothing ever. Nothing. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think the 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 bonds of history and culture are too strong for me to say that the the UK would not be welcomed back into the EU. Um, but. It is like that, that. This is not where we are right now, and we're rational. Like the UK is a big part of what makes Europe, so I'm sure we would we would discuss it. But I don't know. For example, like if we're talking about very specific um, administrative stuff, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't get the veto power that you had, uh, which no, is. We wouldn't. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, we had that sort of thing because we, you know, we were. You were founding members and. Original members, yeah. So, but, I mean, maybe in in maybe not in ten years, but maybe in twenty years, Europe will want to join the, the UK and, uh, <laughs> and become, become part of the United Kingdom and uh, North America, um, including Scandinavia uh, alliance. I don't, I don't you know, know what? <laughs> you know, someone tweeted something um, which means that I should be very cautious about laughing about this. Like a, a, a couple of days ago, someone said, if in the 90s, someone had told me that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger would be talking about a seditious militia uh, coup attempt in his uh, governor's outfit in his office, brandishing the Conan the Barbarian sword and all of this and talking about his, you know, Austrian Austrian uh, uh, origins, I would not have believed it. Fairly, that was, you know, understandable. So who knows what's going to happen in 30 years? I, who knows, really? Who, like wasn't, this, wasn't, this, Hit, wasn't Hitler Austrian? 
Indeed. Uh, yeah, I believe it was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, it was very good yeah, but very quick question. Um, uh, I've been reading a bit about uh, the French elections and French political situation, and apparently there are, and I don't know how true this is, there is growing support for uh, French France leaving the EU too. Frexit is what they want to call it. Call it, but I, I don't know if you've heard anything about that. If that's just underground stuff and just not not true. Um, so it. It is a political current that exists, but in the last election, it lost significant ground because the idea was very unpopular, or maybe not very unpopular, but was unpopular even in the far right's camp. And the main representative of the far right, Marine Le Pen, um, had to abandon the idea of saying, you know, she didn't brandish it as a policy that she would implement if she was elected president. Uh, she actually said, no, 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 we would stay in the EU. So while it does exist as an idea, I think in the past few years it has been um, very much diminished and it's not something that is in any way realistic at this point. Okay. So... Why would you uh, vote, Patrick, if uh, given the choice? I'm joking. Re remain or, 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 or leave? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think the EU does have issues. That is obvious. Yeah. Every organization has issues and every political organization has issues. I think one of the problems that we have as a people... Now, I think there are a couple of problems. I, I can't remember if I was saying this on the show, but we have forgotten how tenuous democracy and peace are, which is a, a big problem, you know, that's our, our, our parents were, or maybe not parents, but grandparents were killing each other and they were neighbors. And, and it is very difficult to maintain peace as we have in the past 70 years. And I think it's in part because we have those woven, interwoven economical interests and cultural interests and, and kids going to study in those neighboring countries. That's one problem. Another problem is that we think politicians are crap. And that is a horrendous way of thinking about your country because... Politicians and civil servants do an incredibly boring and difficult job. Administrations run countries, and that is not sexy. And yes, the you know annoying side effect is that sometimes you get told that you can't water your plants the way you want to because some regulation tells you that this thing is bad or whatever. But that's the, the side thing. The main thing is this entire gigantic machine that runs properly at peace and allows you to buy a safe piece of fruit that has been farmed on the other side of the world and that you can eat without fearing you're going to catch some deadly disease. Because all of this machinery works and it's the tireless thankless annoying job of the people who are pushing pencils in those offices that make sure these things work 
And we think that it's, oh, it's that they decide what they do and what I do in my own home. And the politicians are all corrupted and they're all in it for themselves and they all vote along party lines. We have a system that works the best any system has ever worked anywhere in the history of humanity. And we're criticizing it and and deciding that it's crap because we have to put a label on a piece of fruit. Like that. So, yes, Gareth, I would Um, um. vote to stay in the EU. And also, everyone everyone should read factfulness. I've been saying this for a little while. Just read factfulness. You think the world doesn't work. And yes, there are issues that Hans Rosling does talk about in factfulness. He doesn't shy away from them. You have no idea how well the world is doing because we're all caught in that insane conspiracy theory that we've inflicted upon ourselves that the world isn't working. It's crazy what we're thinking about how things are going. It's, in, it's ridiculous. Read factfulness, please, everyone. I've just, I just Googled factfulness because I don't, I don't know it, but I will, uh, I will add that to my, uh, my reading list. I would, oh, just love to, I would love to talk to you about it after you, you, you've read it, Gareth. I, I will chuck it on my audible list and, uh, and, and have a listen. Yeah, I mean, everything you've just said you know, makes perfect sense. Yes, we, you know, the, the political, the, um, the political landscape that we are in now, as you say, is, is pretty damn stable uh, as compared yeah. to any other time in history. And yes, maybe maybe we shouldn't be picking faults with the label that I have to peel off my apple um, <laughs> if the fact of the label being there means that I don't die of botulism. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's definitely a plus if you if you put it back on. <laughs> I just I just want to add one thing, Patrick, to what you're saying is okay. that we have system that's working, but what we need to do is make sure we're always vigilant and looking for ways to improve it because. I think in the UK and in the US in particular, the system, the systems aren't working. It took Biden 7 million extra votes to just pit past the post and win the presidency. If he'd lost 400,000 votes, he would not. He would have 6.5 million more votes, but he would not have become president of the United States because of the system they have in place. I think democracy is good, but I think there are forms of democracy that have been uh, uh, used to manipulate and uh, get certain people into. I think the UK is a good example uh, of that with the first past the post and the American system with primaries and and all of that. It it I, I won't go into it, but it, I think it breeds extremism on both ends. Um, so the way the way it works there. So I think it needs to be changed. It doesn't need to be scrapped. It just needs to be changed. Absolutely. The, the I'm not saying everything is perfect, and actually, that's one of the core tenets of uh, the Church of good. Factfulness: is <laughs> the fact that it's not that it's good doesn't mean it can't be improved. And we should always look at ways of improving things. And that is absolutely something that he says very very clearly and and, uh, um, details. Uh, The U.S. does have a significant issue, I believe. I don't think it's the Electoral College. 
uh, I, I would say the bigger issue is the first past the post thing with no two turns elections, which would allow other parties to and other mm. opinions to uh, uh, be heard, and thus the two main parties to you know have to take those into account. I think that is, but you know that's a okay. a different that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, mm -hmm. but but I completely agree. I will add, however, something I'm sure we'll talk about in in the next show. I think a lot of people are looking at the U.S. and and seeing a fledgling, not a fledgling, a a vast a. a, a threatened democracy a, th a democracy that is hanging by a thread i think this could be not be further from the truth yeah. i think what actually happened was a staggering uh, attempt at subverting democracy and 90% of the the systems and institutions that were put in place to protect it working everything worked the vote worked the judicial system worked the legislative system worked the um media system worked everything worked because it is such a strongly built democracy and i'm sure people looking at it now are a little bit too close to the uh, uh to the issues and maybe are seeing only the the horrendous things that we've seen with the invasion of the capital and i agree and we're still very worried about what might happen in a week uh at the inauguration but at this point, what happened isn't a democracy on its way out. It's a democracy built so solidly that someone that has been working for four years at eroding it with immense popularity uh, uh, and, and I would argue um, deceiving of the population didn't manage because the police, the military, the judicial, the media, the, all of the institutions worked. So... I don't think the democracy and, think and even even Brexit is a sign that the democracy is working now improvements uh, uh proportionality absolutely Bruce I agree but these kinds of things I think we referenced that idea a couple of times over the past couple of years I think these kinds of things are what leads to civil wars uh, you know 100 or 200 years ago so yeah. Sorry, Garrett. Yeah, I agree. No, I was I was only basically going to completely agree with what you were saying. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, I think America is a is the perfect example of somebody um, somebody got to power, attempted to subvert the entire country, and was unable to, or has been unable to. Um, and yeah, as you say, that speaks to the strength of um, the strength of that democracy yeah. as opposed of the to, institutions. I imagine yeah. something like that happening in any of those countries that don't have as strong institutions well, obviously the, the first place that comes to mind is africa and sub-saharan yeah. africa that would have led to a very different outcome and yeah. that is anyway all right and, and has led to a very different outcome mm. on several yes, occasions obviously. i think yeah yeah all right yay democracy that's in Brighton news. Uh, there's no snow on the ground anymore uh, where I am, so that means that it's easy to go out running. Oh my God! It's still snowing here, and I don't know what we're gonna do. It's basically uh, the the it's snow apocalypse here in Finland. So I don't like snow. <laughs> I 
I mean, Why do you hate fun, Patrick? <laughs> in the next episode of the Phileas Club, we will answer that pressing question. Thank you both for being on the show today with me. Um, hopefully, it gives a little bit of an insight on what's happening in the UK with uh, the 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 fact that Brexit actually is a reality now. Um, what? Where can people go if they uh, want a little bit more from you, Bruce? Uh, I'm on um, Twitter, Bruce Woodward three, um, and I'm not posting as much as I have been recently. I'm taking a bit <laughs> taking of a break from Twitter. Are we? I think that's a, yeah, that's a well, good thing to do. I think also I've also taken a huge break from Facebook because that was driving me nuts. Mm. But um, but yeah, you'll find me there or um, or on the the Phileas Club Discord, um, especially in the patron area. If you want to, you know, chat, I think uh, become a patron and. Uh, and um, and we can have a chat there. So yeah, that's what absolutely. If you want to become a patron, uh, patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. And the link is in the show notes. And uh, we do have a, a private little cozy uh, velvet area in the Discord, which is accessible to anyone, by the way. Uh, if you want to go to notpatrick.com, you'll find a link to that. But um, yeah, we do have a little private area where we usually have some um, interesting conversations. Gareth, what about you? Uh, I I do 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 Twitter, so you can find me at, at Gareth Westwood. Uh, yeah, do uh, don't get on there every day necessarily, but I do try and uh, try and keep on top of that. Um, and yeah, just to just to reiterate what you were just saying, I I keep thinking that I need to go and create an account on Patreon and and start supporting some <laughs> some of the fantastic um, content creators that I that I listen to. Yourself being one of them, Patrick. So. I think that's what I need to do when we get off this call now is I will go and I will do that um, positive call to action there. Just just go do it now. <laughs> well, thank you very much, <laughs> Gareth. Uh, obviously, your contribution is incredibly valuable on the show. So please don't feel like you have to also give me some of your hard-earned money, which you will need in the coming you know, years of, of <laughs> <laughs> post-Brexit <laughs> terribleness. Uh, but thank you very much for the sentiment. And uh, yeah patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. I'm not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Um, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks for another episode of the Phileas Club. 2021 really is going to be a fantastic year. Right after we get out of the, you know, tying up of the season finale of 2020, which had a couple of things set up. Like this is the, but we have a new writing team that's coming in and it's the whole tone is going to 2021 is going to be great i assure you but by the end of the year we'll look back and we'll say yeah patrick was right i hope talk to you in a <laughs> few weeks <laughs>